Welcome. Thank you for joining us today on Media for Progress, where we bring people together to discuss our relationship with democracy. I'm Dakota. I'm a student, feminist, and organizer. On this episode, we have Stephanie with us, and we'll be addressing the topic of reproductive rights. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, why you choose to get active, and why this issue is important to you? Thanks, Dakota. So, um, I've been active in leftist politics since the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I started off uh, becoming active uh, due to my frustration with the healthcare system and um, not having healthcare despite uh, working full time and my struggles with poverty, but reproductive rights has always been important to me. As a scientist, um, I, I work with a lot of women in um, the work I do in biochemistry. And it, I mean, if you, if you don't have control over your, um, over your own body, you really don't have any freedom. It, it's vital that we have um, the choice to have kids or not have kids um, uh, as we plan it. Otherwise, um, a career education, just planning a, a prosperous life is an is it possible? Um, I was actually part of a pilot program when I was a teenager in Colorado where they gave uh, free contraception to all uh, teenagers and their um, their unfed pregnancy rate in teens uh, was um, drastically reduced. Um, so it was a very successful program. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's a basic right. I, I you know, I, I personally don't understand why it wouldn't matter to someone because it does affect all of us. Exactly. Yes, good points. And what were your thoughts after hearing the leaked Supreme Court opinion draft? Oh, I had a lot of thoughts. Um, I, I honestly wasn't surprised. Actually, just a few months prior, we had done an event for International Women's Day um, called Where to Go After Roe. Um, <laughs> And basically, we, we were talking about we we did expect this to happen. Um, I mean, this this was expected after um, the Supreme Court was turned to be the balance it is right now. Um, but one of the things we covered was that you know even if Roe is upheld at the moment, restrictions are so well. Abortion is so unattainable in some places; it might as well be illegal. So. Roe, although it's very symbolic and it um, does offer some protections if the Supreme Court is not willing to actually um, strike down um, any restrictions that basically make abortion unattainable, it doesn't effectively matter. Right. Um, but the first thing I did, I would say, is I started reaching out to people I've worked with on this issue in the, in the past and checking in on them because I know it it negatively affected a lot of people. And I got a lot of different perspectives, but um, everyone agreed first that if they did need an abortion, this was not going to stop them. And they knew that, you know, this would just make uh, abortions less safe. It wasn't gonna stop anyone from having one. And they were also worried that this was going to um, drastically affect other civil rights like gay marriage, trans rights, um, and kind of gearing up for that fight too, unfortunately. Right. You bring up excellent points that I don't think a lot of people consider is that this issue 
branches out into many different groups. There are many different kinds of people that this all affects. So that brings me, how have you seen this impacting women across the country? And what about women of color? So um, I was surprised. I, I'm, I'm really fortunate to know I've, I've lived in so many states and I, I know people across the country and people from different backgrounds and it really depended on who I talked to. Um, like I said, um, no one um, really thought this was gonna prevent them from having an abortion if they needed one. They just uh, were starting to think about what they might have to do to get one and how to help um, other people if, if that need arose. Um, but I, I was kind of surprised to talk to some people who, they were almost insulted that I felt um, they would, they would um, be very upset by Roe being overturned because um, they said, well, you know, abortion hasn't been accessible for me my entire life. So I, I can understand why, why Roe matters, um, you know, in the, in the public consciousness, but it, it never protected my right to abortion. So I don't see why people like me should care, which really hit home with me. And it kind of made me reconsider some of my assumptions because, um, it, it, it made it clear that um, abortion access has been a problem for a long time. And yes. it, it, you know, Roe being overturned will make it worse, but um, this is not a new fight. Right, and I mean, being a Latina myself, I know people around me who, especially in school, it's just so, surprising to see that there's so many like-minded people yet not enough action and it's also very discerning to yeah to see like people that we look up to and we have goals and dreams and like we're people too but I can definitely see how women are getting frustrated yeah so in what ways do you think the pro-choice movement and grassroots movement in general in the U.S. could better engage and represent marginalized communities? So I'm glad you asked this because this is a problem. Political movements often prioritize the needs, um, the voices and perspectives of privileged white people at the expense of working class communities that face systemic oppression uh, for who they are. Um, even with Roe and Casey intact, reproductive freedom is not a reality for many Americans. It hasn't been for a long time. Although these laws are in, important, um, access is just as important. Um, we really need a intersectional socialist feminist perspective to truly understand and analyze uh, reproductive rights um, because economics are a big part of this. Um, and if you don't include that, you're not going to have a meaningful class or race-based analysis. Um, patriarchy, white supremacy, and really just about all forms of oppression rely on economic exploitation. Um, and they, they set the foundation of all systems of exploitation. Um, so I... It, it does bother me that 
I, I understand why the reproductive rights movement is so focused on um, on electoral politics, but um, I think we need a more holistic approach where we, um, we do focus on um, getting pro-choice candidates elected, but we also hold them accountable, and we also build a grassroots movement to um, do all the work that can't be done in electoral circles. Um, I think that's the only way we're going to succeed, and um, especially if we include um, all communities involved, because all communities are affected. I agree. People need to realize that showing up at the polls is the only way that we can get change. So without universal health care that covers reproductive health care, there can be no reproductive freedom. This issue of abortion touches on so many issues, bodily autonomy, health care, wealth, inequality, racism, sexism. It's clear we need an intersectional feminist movement to address these issues in a comprehensive way. Without grassroots organizing on the left, we could see further attacks on our basic rights succeed. What are some successful ways you found to make these complex topics more personal and approachable when speaking with peers? Is there enough awareness for a need to vote? The first thing I would stress um, is that this issue, it, it isn't just a women's issue. It isn't just a reproductive rights issue. It really does affect every, everyone. I mean, um, especially conservatives like to argue that, you know, the, the family is the, the ultimate basis of all society. Um, they, they certainly understand why this issue affects everyone. And I don't, under, I don't understand um, why people on the left wouldn't, um, you know, even if you can't get pregnant, um, people close to you can, your, your partner might be able to get pregnant, you might have to pay child support, you're going to be paying for healthcare, um, your tax money is going to support and educate that kid. Um, and the, the, the effects of uh, reproductive rights are incredibly far reaching. And if Roe is overturned, um, it's also making a statement um, that the Constitution doesn't imply any right to privacy, which will definitely affect all Americans. Um, and, you know, if they, if they still don't believe that this is relevant to them, I, I have to ask, like, what are your values? Do you value freedom? If you value freedom, you shouldn't um, want the government making healthcare decisions at all. Um, if you object to legal abortion on religious grounds, well, um, that might be a reason for you not personally to get an abortion, but um, if, if that's your only reason for um, supporting a complete ban on abortion, you have to argue that the government should be making decisions based on your religious views, which if you support theocracy, then that's logically consistent. But if you don't, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. And again, if you value family, if, if family is the most important thing to you, you shouldn't see children as a punishment that women have inflicted on them um, just for having sex. You should see right. children as something to be valued and treasured and something that people should have the freedom to choose to have. Um, you know, there, there's uh, 600,000 kids in foster care at any, any given year in the U.S. Um, I, I know the Roe v. Wade, the leak 
opinion piece talked about the domestic supply of infants in one of the footnotes. There was a lot of discussion on that, but um, that that is one argument people make that you know we we need more babies. Um, but if you really care about family, you, you should also care about those foster kids. There's just like you said, there's so many issues. This, this touches on that it really does affect all of us. Right, and then when there's an oppression at the voting sites and people are discouraged and people don't show up to vote, then all of these extreme and views that most of Americans don't agree with and they get an elected official, it validates all of those opinions and that is how we drive this issue further and further down the rabbit hole. And so that's why we need more support and more people out there. And we've done it before. There are numerous movements that have used organizing and it works. Exactly. And you know, even if voting voting is 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 not a hard task. Um, and you know I I I I understand that people want to do more and I, I encourage them to do more, but um, please stay informed. Learn, learn what your um, elected officials are doing. Um, if you don't like what they're doing, let them know you're not going to vote for them again. You know, especially on the state level, that that kind of organizing do, can and does work. It isn't the only thing we should be doing, but it, it's definitely an important piece, mm -hmm. especially with this issue. Yeah, and there is a lot of pressure that goes with voting. I understand that. You know, when you get there, it can be a little rattling but then there are so many options to get active and to use your voice you can vote by mail like you said you can contact your elected official and to codify reproductive freedom we have to remove anti-choice elected officials from congress yes and so that brings me to this question how do you respond to the religious moral arguments against reproductive rights? Are there ways activists for reproductive rights could reach out to communities of faith? Um, I think that is a, a overlooked opportunity. Um, I, I, I really can't elaborate too much on the issue because it's, it's incredibly complicated. I could, I could spend so much time talking about it, but um, well, first off, this wasn't always a religious issue and it, it definitely wasn't one that the evangelicals, sorry, correction, it, it wasn't, um, evangelicals weren't always on the side of the anti-abortion um, movement. Um, that actually stemmed from, um, like a lot of things in the US, um, it stemmed from racism and strangely enough, uh, Bob Jones University wanting to maintain segregation was, the root of it, and it kind of spiraled from there. But um, the religious aspect is important because that is what informs so many people's um, opinions. But but it is important that to remember that we are a secular society, and um, we shouldn't normalize basing our laws on any religious text. Um, that being said. Um, Realistically, that that is um, the basis of a lot of people's political activism, 
And, you know, we'd be at a loss if we decide just to let um, the far right have this issue um, when it comes to organizing in communities of faith, because quite frankly, um, most Americans do not support a complete ban on abortion and yes. most mainline churches also don't. If they take a view, it's it's usually not that radical. And, um, you know, I, I'd encourage anyone to look at the history of how the far, how this became a conservative evangelical issue. Look at what the Bible actually says about abortion. It never says life begins at conception. It, um, the only time the legal status of fetus is mentioned is in Leviticus. And um, it, um, if you kill a fetus, it's treated as a property loss and you pay a fine. If you kill a pregnant woman, however, it, it is treated as a murder. So it does delineate that. The Bible says life begins when breath is drawn into the lungs. And it also um, arguably actually prescribes abortion procedure in numbers um, if a woman is um, uh, accused of adultery. So it, it, the Bible is definitely not clear that abortion is wrong or murder or anything. So it is definitely not a settled religious issue. And there is a real opportunity to organize within communities of faith for reproductive rights. Well said, yes. And many people, myself included, are upset that politicians claiming to support reproductive rights have failed to codify reproductive freedom into law and seem to use the third of Roe being overturned as an excuse to fundraise and get votes for centrist pro-corporate candidates who won't take decisive action on reproductive rights once elected. How do we move forward to build a cohesive grassroots movement for reproductive rights despite this? I understand and I feel the anger a lot of people are feeling right now that this wasn't settled and passed as federal legislation. Um, and the reproductive rights, or sorry, the um, anti-abortion movement was just allowed to grow and gain power and eventually get the Supreme Court. This should not have happened. However, that's where we're at right now. And um, we have to be realistic about what we can do about it. In the short term, our reproductive rights will be determined but on the state level. Um, those who control state offices wield the, that power for the time being, and we can't afford to pretend otherwise. So I caution against anyone who thinks electoral politics will solve this by itself. Um, even if pro-choice candidates went on to just sweep the midterms, um, this wouldn't mean much unless we could actually hold them accountable and make sure that they understand they or anyone else who attacks our reproductive freedom will not be reelected. This is possible to fight. It is possible to fight for civil rights and win. Um, gaining, at least when gaining those civil rights doesn't immediately threaten the profits and power of the capitalists and people in power. Um, so I, I know to some this is unsatisfying because it doesn't, this strategy doesn't necessarily address the root cause of the problem, although the same people would say that um, maybe electoral politics isn't the way to address the root of the problem. Um, but at this point in time, sitting on our hands because no solution is radical enough or no solution is perfect and every, everyone can't agree on, um, that really only helps the far right. Um, the people working to actually attack democracy right now are working diligently to undermine faith in democracy and trust in US institutions. 
criticisms that are long overdue, I admit, um, but not for the reasons they're saying. And what they like to claim is actually going on. So they're, they're not, the, the far right isn't questioning election integrity and attacking democracy because they really want to build a better system for working people. Um, they're, what they're actually doing is weakening the last barriers that stand between them and a successful coup in hopes of implementing, a, let's be honest, what they want. They want a far right fascist theocracy. They've made that clear. So yeah. robbing us of our reproductive rights is really just a preview of the viciousness um, to come if a coalition of the people that are attacking democracy, uh, white nationalists, male supremacists, and theocrats, if, if they're allowed to seize power, banning all abortions is, is just the first act. They will go so much farther. Yes, people definitely, I think, are afraid of that because this is the tip of the iceberg. You can already see that they're pushing their agendas, essentially. If we don't organize, conservative officials will continue to attack women. Personally, I have experience with loved ones who have gone through sexual harassment in the workplace, and I would see my family members belittled because those people weren't held accountable. So why do you think such a small minority of people have been able to impose their view on everyone else? And what tools do we have to protect reproductive freedom? So I, I think our biggest asset right now is that people are informed, engaged, and willing to work towards a better future. So the far right is hoping that enough of us give in to nihilism and act as if there's nothing that we could do about this. Um, they're great at um, capturing and directing the anger of people on, on the right, but they're not, they don't have any solutions. They're, they're great at stoking bigotry and blaming the powerless to deflect blame or distract from the crimes of the powerful, but they don't offer any hope. And believing their rhetoric, their rhetoric requires rejecting reality itself. Young people are rejecting the status quo. They're rejecting the, the excesses of capitalism, imperialism. They're questioning restrictive gender roles and um, sexual orientations and um, are standing up to white supremacy and racism um, openly and at least in my opinion, more than ever before. When we stand for reproductive rights, we should remember we don't stand alone. Most Americans are opposed to a complete ban on abortion and the majority of Americans support popular progressive stances like universal background checks for firearms, increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour, progressive taxation, closing tax loopholes for the wealthy, eliminating corporate money from election campaigns, um, curtailing corporate lobbying, stupid student loan forgiveness, paid parental leave, Medicare for all, DACA, and increased paths to citizenship, and taking swift and decisive action on climate change. Yet, even though we have popular support for these things, we're not gonna achieve any of this unless we fight um, to, for accountable leadership that truly represents us. Joining fellowships, volunteering, and meeting with local influencers is very important, especially for 
Black, LGBTQ, and other communities because by doing nothing is helping the fascists. Swing states need the most support too because they carry most of the decision-making. We can't complain about public education or immigration or reproductive freedom when we let infighting undermine us. So I have, I have to admit, it's a bit tough turning on the news in recent years um, with the fairly radical shift we've seen to the right in the US and some of the losses we faced. But the thing that keeps me hopeful and motivated is um, doing something about it. I mean, that that's what gets me out of the bed, out of bed in the morning. You know, the news might be terrible, but I, I know that I'm, I'm working for a better world in the future. And I know we, we can do it because I've seen it happen. Um, I've been working with Adriana Surreal, um, and she, she has tires, tirelessly worked for her community and for the kids in her school district. Um, and she, she really has um, tangibly improved their lives um, with the initiative she's helped to realize. And I do like I do like going door to door and talking to people. I think engagement is incredibly important right now, especially with all the misinformation up there. Um, we have we have answers to the problems people are facing, um, and we have a platform. The, the left has um, ideas that will work and can bring people together. You know, we don't rely on scapegoating or you know culture wars or all this other garbage that you know I, I don't really get why people on the far right stick with it so long because it just has to make them miserable they're angry all the time they hate everybody um, you know I, I I really feel fulfilled um, with the work I do in political organizing and if you're watching this and you're in that place where you know it, there just, just there just seems to be so much wrong with the world and you don't know what to do. Um, I have to say it doesn't necessarily matter what issue you work on. I would pick something that you know a lot about or you care a lot about, but um, find a local group, get involved. You might not be able to make, you know, change the world, but you can make things better for your neighbors and you can make a difference. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us on Media for Progress and thank you for being our guest. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please like, subscribe, and share. See you soon, and let's keep this conversation going.